Our gospel reading this Easter Sunday is from John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said, these things to her. The word of the Lord. Well, it's Easter morning. Mary Magdalene is weeping. And like the students and teachers of Austin East High School, she has witnessed violence. Jesus has been murdered. Still numb from Friday's horror, she cannot sleep. She rises early Sunday morning to visit Jesus's tomb. The huge stone that had closed the grave on Friday has been moved aside. Jesus' body, nowhere to be found. The other disciples have come and gone. Mary, however, stays by the grave and weeps. This has been a year for weeping. We don't need to rehearse all the reasons why. Mary seems kind of stuck in her sadness and grief, disoriented, fearful, unsure, or unable to move forward. Maybe you feel a little bit like Mary this morning. This is not a story about sadness, however. This is a story about moving from sadness to joy. The angels ask Mary why she's weeping. She explains that someone has taken the body of Jesus and she doesn't know where they've buried him. And then we read, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Bleary-eyed, sleep-deprived, standing in the dawn twilight, she supposes Jesus is some gardener come to clean up the grave, but then Jesus calls her by name. Mary doesn't see him at first. She only sees the desolate landscape of her despair and stays stuck in her grief and sadness. But when Jesus gently calls her by name, which is a tender, loving act, she realizes she is in the presence of one who knows her and sees her and loves her. She turns and she sees Jesus. And when she sees Jesus, she begins a journey 
from sorrow to hope. And I think that's a great Easter lesson. We move from sadness to hope when we see the ways that Jesus is present in our life. Now, the evening before Jesus died, he told the disciples that he had to leave them so that he could return and be with all of his followers by the Spirit. And so that means that the Spirit of Jesus is always active in the personal life of a believer. But he's not just active in us, he's active around us. Colossians 1.17, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So the risen Jesus is active in and around us all the time. I have a friend who likes to say, the universe brought this opportunity to me, or the universe is inviting me to do such and such. And as a Christian who worships the risen Christ, I think, I'd, I, think I know what she's trying to say, but I'd put it like this. The creator of the universe, whose name is Jesus, brought this opportunity to you. The creator of the universe, whose name is Jesus, is inviting you to do such and such. Jesus is active in and through the universe, holding it together. He is always present, calling our name, loving us, blessing us, guiding us. We just have to have eyes to see him. It's not always easy, though, is it? You know, it's especially hard to see where Jesus is at work when we've been in a season of weeping. When we are depressed, for example, our brains naturally focus on the dark side of life. And then brooding on negative thoughts only leads to more weeping. We move from sadness to joy, however, when we start noticing the many ways Jesus is right there. I try to take a few moments, either at the end of the day or the end of the week, to reflect on where Jesus has been present in my life. And I find that it gives me joy to do that. I just made a short list this week. Here's where I caught some glimpses of Jesus at work. Participating in a guy's small group. Watching God provide for our building renovation through your incredible generosity. Walking the Stations of the Cross with a friend. Talking about a podcast with Sandy. Visiting with the leader of Carm's Berea ministry. Praying on my porch as rain fell. Praying with a few friends around a scripture. Watching my neighbors who have sent their daughters off to college adopt the one and three-year-old boys next door and give them an Easter egg hunt. Seeing the sunrise on the way home from swim practice. Putting my backpack on and doing a few hills to prepare for an August backpacking trip with my son and sons in law in Glacier National Park. Breaking out of a negative thought pattern by focusing on Jesus instead. Now, I could make a similar list of all the things that trouble me or upset me or anger me. And if I'm honest, it's easier for me to make that list. There's a part of my mind that gravitates towards the things that are wrong in my world. But when I look for where the risen Jesus is at work around my life, my sadness starts to turn to joy. 
So take a moment at the end of your day or your week and play a little game of I Spy. Where do you spy Jesus at work in and around you? When you see that, I think your sadness will start to turn to joy. Well, Mary holds Jesus for a while, and then Jesus says, Don't, don't, don't cling to me. I'm not yet ascended to my Father. Well, understandably, she wants to hold on to him, hold on to their relationship as it has been, stay right there with him, but Jesus won't let her. Their relationship is changing because Jesus is changing. He's ascending to the Father. And she needs to move on and embrace the, the future that Jesus has for her and the rest of his followers. Clinging to the past is not the way to joy. Holding on to the way things used to be is not the path towards hope. And sometimes we stay stuck in sorrow because we refu refuse to embrace the new thing God is doing in our lives. Well, Jesus gives Mary a very special calling. Go to my brothers, say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. What a calling. He calls her to be an apostle to the apostles, a preacher to the preachers, the first evangelist in the history of the church to share the gospel of the risen Christ. And what a story this is. Look what's happened to Mary. She comes to the tomb that first Easter morning without hope. Her world has collapsed. Her Lord, she thinks, is dead. Her community shattered. Her future is uncertain. But she encounters Jesus. And he calls her by name. And he gives her good work to do. And Mary leaves the, team, the tomb known and comforted and loved with a new mission and purpose for her life. Mary's story reveals the beautiful irony of gospel hope. Jesus will meet us in the tombs of our despair. He will call our names there. He will send us into the world with fresh meaning and purpose. In one way, Mary's story illustrates what it means to become a follower of Jesus of the risen Jesus, and that's really what she's doing. Mary's journey begins with death, and the faith journey often begins with death. Uh, something I thought would bring me life, make me safe and happy, dies. A person, a friendship, a dream, a project, a graduate program, a marriage, an ideology, a philosophy of life. And we realize that what we trusted in to make us safe and happy is failing. Jesus calls Mary's name. He's calling your name this morning. Maybe you can't hear it yet. Maybe you're, frankly, over the church. Well, the church is not calling your name. Jesus is calling your name, my friend. The universe isn't calling your name. The creator of the universe is calling your name. He knows you and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. Mary turns. When he calls her name, she turns. She didn't have to turn. 
You don't have to turn either. She could have ignored the call and left the tomb the same way she arrived, weeping and without hope. But she does turn and embrace Jesus. And in a similar way, we become a Christian by turning from death and embracing Jesus. We turn from all the things we thought would make us safe and happy, but didn't, and we turn to him. We don't turn to religion. We don't turn to church. We don't turn to a political party. We turn to Jesus. And Jesus sends Mary into the world with a message of hope. And that's the fun part. We get to go into the world of weeping and bring a word of hope. Is Jesus calling your name this morning? Not the church, not religion, not some old white guy in a pink Easter sweater. Is Jesus calling your name this morning? Do you want to turn? Well, the way we turn to Jesus and embrace him is through prayer. And if Jesus is calling your name this morning, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. I'm just putting it in general terms. You can make it your own. And then afterwards, tell a friend or tell me that you've turned to Jesus and begun a journey of faith, and we'll get you some resources to start you off on that. So pray with me, please. Jesus, I love so many things about my life, but something is missing. Some of the things in life I always thought would make me safe and happy have not delivered. I don't really know much about you, and some of the things people have done in your name make me sick. I don't put my trust in an institution today, but I do turn to you. I hear you calling my name. I turn from a life in which I am at the center. I turn from the ways I've tried to find security and significance that have failed. The Bible calls all of this sin, things that separate me from God. I can see now that in some ways I've told you, you're not the boss of me. You are the boss of me now. I'm choosing to believe you are a good one. The story says you know my name. You know me. You love me. I'm choosing to believe this too. Show me more of who you are. Lead me to friends who can help me figure out this life of faith. Help me see my calling in the world. In your name, amen.